This is the third week of Advent. It is Gaudet Sunday is the official name of it, or Joy Sunday. It is the pink one, in case you didn't know, and that's okay if you don't. It's not, it's easily forgotten, it's not easily often passed down, but the goal is to call out this Sunday of marking time. There is only one week left, which is scary to me. There is so much to do and so many things that are left undone, and we're unsure if we'll get it all done. Though, we're probably further along than we usually are. But this is that reminder. This is the Sunday that we celebrate with joy the coming of our Lord, looking to know that his return is imminent. There is more behind us than ahead of us as we look at God's kingdom growing. And that should give us joy. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks with joy that you have come to find us. That you do not leave us in darkness, you do not leave us lost, but invite us to return to you. And you have given us a way through your Son, Jesus Christ. Let us hear your Spirit prodding us. Let us hear the message you would have us to hear this day. May our hearts be opened so that we may be transformed. And as we are transformed, let us take all that we have heard and all that we have done, all the praises that we have sang, into a world that desperately needs to see your light. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, 1 to 7. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you? Having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This Sunday, as we continue looking at the scripture and the gospel message of a Savior who willingly gave up the thrones of heaven to be born in a lowly estate such as a stable, as a servant, as a slave for the sake of humanity who did not see equality or the power of God as something to be exploited, we celebrate that Christmas day. We remember Christ's first coming. We lift it up and hold it in our hearts each, every day and lift it up every year, not only as a celebration of what God has done, but what God is doing and what God will do. Because the reality of God's kingdom is that it is past, present, and future. And so we've been looking at this in terms of the Christmas carol. The redemption of Scrooge, his arc from going from this miserly man that did not want to be around anyone else and had no one that wanted to be around him, to a man who kept Christmas every day in his hearts. Last week we talked about the past and how we have to make peace with it, make amends with it, find those moments of joy within it 
to help us carry forward into the present, to find that redemption. For Scrooge, it was that linchpin memory where he remembered that there were, used to be, and in the midst of the loneliness that he felt as a child on Christmas, there were those moments of joy that broke through when when his sister came home to tell him it was time to go home and the joy that that brought. And when he went to his old employer, Fezziwigs, and he, and he danced and he laughed and he celebrated Christmas and all of the joy that brought with it, he was reminded by wrestling with his past and confronting the damage and the, the pain of the past that, yes, the past had some joy in it. But I think more often than not, at least in the, the adaptations and the story, the ghost of Christmas present, his purview is joy. His purview is laughter of cheer. I say that because it is in these moments that Scrooge finally sees what he's been missing all along in the here and now. If he was locked up by his past, his wrestling with it in the previous chapter, and, and, and we talked about it last week, he's finally making amends with it and finally willing to step out from the past that controlled him to see the world with new eyes. And this is what Jesus invites us to do in the gospel message today. It's a parable that many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with, the parable of the lost sheep, where Jesus is criticized for spending time with those people, those undesirables, those people that, that you respectable people don't hang out with, right? Jesus is hanging out with people that are going to ruin his reputation, at least in the eyes of those who think they matter more than others. And Jesus hears them murmuring, hears them saying this, hears them saying, look at this man, what is he doing eating with these tax collectors and these sinners? Why would he do that? He hears them and he tells them that parable of the lost sheep, where he says, how many of you who had a hundred sheep and noticed one was missing would leave the 99 behind and go search for the one? On its face value, it doesn't make any sense, so perhaps not many of them would do it. This parable turns things on its head like all the parables do. But the shepherd in the parable does just that. He leaves the 99 who are okay and safe and secure and not lost to go looking for the one that is lost. And he hunts and he looks And he searches, and he finally finds it. And with joy, he lifts the sheep upon his shoulders and carries it back to the flock and then calls all of his neighbors and friends and everyone around him to come and celebrate. For the sheep that was lost is now found. And then he says, there will be more joy in heaven over the repentance and saving of one lost sinner than over 99 righteous people. Our God is at work in our world seeking out the lost, seeking out the broken, seeking out the lonely, seeking those out that would shut themselves off from the world, seeking out those that find no value and meaning in the company of others. And he does so because he notices who is missing. I'd like to believe that this is the basis of the Christmas story as it is. God looked at humanity 
looked at all that was and all that could be and saw what was missing and wanted to do something about it. He sent the shepherd, the great shepherd, into our midst so that to find us, to hunt us out, and to bring us back to him so that all may celebrate. And our story of Scrooge, what the ghost of Christmas present does is show Scrooge who is missing and what is missing as he goes about his life with his eyes downcast, not making eye contact with anyone, not joining anyone in any of their festivities on Christmas or any of the niceties every day. He shows them who is missing. And the first person he shows is missing is himself, is Scrooge, by taking him to his nephew's home, where they have parties and laughter and joy and play games. Sometimes at Scrooge's expense, if you know the story. But he sees that he is missing from their table. But it's not just about him. One of the things that I, I, I'm sad about often is that when the Christmas Carol is told and all of the adaptations that I've watched, again, I've watched many, and some are better than others, is there's a scene, there's a sequence of stories that's often omitted. They take Scrooge to his nephew's house. They take him to Bob Cratchit's house, where, where this, even Scrooge is, a, is, is recognized and blessed, though sometimes begrudgingly, by, by uh, Cratchit's wife. Again, Scrooge is missing out on the family and the togetherness and love and joy that's happening in those moments. And that's usually covered. But what isn't is when the ghost of Christmas present starts to take him out around the world. First, they go to a mining town where people are coughing because of the, the dust that they breathe in in their hard work underground. And they're lit by single candles. And yet they are singing uh, hymns of Christmas, Christmas carols. And Scrooge is amazed. Why, what's going on here? They even celebrate Christmas here? And then they wisp away as if on a wind. And they go to a lighthouse where two men are shining the light, keeping it lit in a storm. For they know that for some people, that lighthouse will be their north star to get them home safely. And even there, they toast one another. They drink to each other's health and sing a Christmas carol. What Scrooge starts seeing is that Christmas is celebrated in so many places because it is that reminder that gathering around a table and that seeing of who is present and who is not. And the joy that comes in the gathering. All of this laughter, all of the games, all of the earnest praising of Christmas, of, of what Christ has done, stirs up in Scrooge something that he wants for himself. He begins to take part in the games that are happening around him. He begins to sing to himself some of the Christmas songs. He begins to see what he didn't see before. And that is a life of joy that comes with being with others being in someone else's company, being fully included, and being fully invited. 
He sees that in the Cratchit family as they have very little, and yet they have smiles on their faces. They feel blessed even by what they have. They don't begrudge anyone. They don't hold it. They don't, they're not, well, they're not like Scrooge. We see in Scrooge the one that was lost. The one that needed to be found. The one that needed to be brought in. And we see this redemption, this story that is expressed in the Gospels of someone going out, noticing that someone is missing. Noticing that one of the sheep, 1%, one of the 100, is missing. And then going out to find it. Our world today has people who are lost in sin, lost in darkness, lost in pain and suffering, who withhold themselves, keep themselves away from the table, keep themselves away from the joy, or have been excluded by others. And too often we go about our daily lives, too often we go about our weekly worship, too often we go about just our normal way of being, and we don't pay any attention to who is missing. We celebrate who is here. We look with joy and laughter with the people we are surrounded by. But we don't go that extra step and say, who is missing? Who are the hurting in our community that desperately need to know the redemption and the joy and peace and hope that comes with following Christ? And they're not here. Who do we know in our lives? Who are our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends? Who we think are okay or don't even bother to ask. In doing so, we don't even realize they're not even at the table. We're content to be of the 99 when Jesus calls us to be the shepherd. To go out into the world. To find those that are lost. To bring hope to those who are hopeless, to bring healing to those who are sick, to bring comfort to those who are hurting, to proclaim release to those who are held captive, to proclaim the day and the year of Lord's favor. One of Jesus' first teaching moments in the Gospels is quoting that message from Isaiah that he is about that. And then he sends us out to continue his work at the end of the Gospels. The question is, as we go about our daily celebrations, as we go about our Christmas celebrations, as we prepare for Christmas Eve and all of the joy that it brings, is there anyone that we know that is left out? Or do we assume that they're already in? Do we assume that they have some place to go? Do we assume that they have family to spend time with? Do we assume that they're already present? Or do we really look? Do we really notice? 
if last week, that first chapter, the second chapter, the Christmas carol, if that first chapter in Scrooge's journey of an end of the past shakes us into a reality that we need to wrestle with what, where we are and how we got here, today reminds us that while we are in the present, there is joy and hope all around us in the darkest places, in the darkness of the mine, in the wind and peril of the storm, because they immediately go from the lighthouse to one of the ships that are guided by the lighthouse, and they too are singing Christmas songs and celebrating Christmas. That this joy and this hope can be found in the darkest places, and you don't need the lavishness of a grand lifestyle. You don't need wealth and possessions. You don't need all of that. You simply need to be open to the joy and open to one another. My hope and prayer for us this day is that as we prepare for Christmas this next week, as we go from this place into our our, our Christmas lunch that has been lovingly prepared for us to celebrate, we would ask God to open our eyes of who is missing from our tables. Who is missing from the Lord's table? Who is not experiencing the hope, the peace, and the joy that comes with knowing Christ? And how might we play a role in seeking them and finding them to live as Christ directs? And in doing so, find the joy ourselves. I want to share with you a couple of things that happened this week that I was super excited about and, and, and was a blessing to me. On Thursday, we had the nursery school music program here. The nursery school is a beloved ministry of our church as we serve people in our community. It does support the church and its ministry through, its, through the fees that it collects and its services, but it is a joy to see the children, the parents, and the laughter that ensued as they, they sang Christmas songs, as they sometimes yelled into microphones to introduce them, but they did so with such joy and laughter that it truly was an amazing experience. That was Thursday morning, and all of the parents, and, and seeing their joy of their own children up here and, and singing, and, and it really was amazing. On Friday night, we hosted a youth night, And between that, popcorn and hot chocolate and whipped cream and all of that joy and laughter and the kids enjoying their movie, we got to share with them a little bit about what we do and again, create relationships that we want to grow over time. These things are only possible because of your generous support of the church, because of your willingness to say, I want to support what the church is doing. I want to be a part of it, whether through my time and my talents, if I can, or my gifts, or both. But it truly is a blessing to be a part of what we can do together as we welcome people into our space, as we we invite people into a relationship with us, as we have meals that is shared not only with those who are already a part of the church, but those who who we serve through our food ministry and those in our community who are looking for someone to eat with. All of these things are possible because of your desire to be a part of what God is doing here at Berwyn United Methodist Church. 
So because of that, and because of our desire to live out God's call of generosity, we have this offering moment during the service, and the ushers come forward to receive any gifts that you plan to give this day to enable that work to continue well into the future. Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks that you have given us your spirit, that you call us back to you. You refuse to leave us lost and alone, but are constantly inviting us to be in relationship with you, to experience the peace, hope, and joy that you bring this day in recognition of all that you have done for us. We ask you to open our eyes to see those who are missing around us, those who have been excluded from the table, those who have been left out either by their own choices or by our own. Help us to see the joy and hope in finding the lost and inviting them in. Help us to experience just a portion of the joy in heaven that happens for every sinner that is brought in. Help this shape our lives, how we interact with others in our world, how we see the hurting and the lost, and whether we see them at all. That this desire to experience the joy of heaven here on earth drive us and guide us to share your good news, to see the broken, to see the lonely, to see the sinner, and proclaim your good news in word and deed. We lift up the ministries of our church. We give you thanks for the things that we are able to do, but we ask that you would give us insight and wisdom Open our eyes to see what is possible. And give us the energy and the compassion and the passion to bring your dreams into reality. We have a hard work ahead of us, but we know the source of, that you are the source of all strength. And that as we go about your kingdom work, we'll experience that strength anew. So that the work we do no longer leaves us tired but invigorates us and fills us with joy. We lift up our community for all those who are hurting, all those who are lonely, all those who are grieving, all those who have no peace, all those who feel hopeless in dark and, and desperate situations, for all those who shut others out, for all those who cannot find the joy of life in their midst, where we can walk beside them, where they can lean on us, where we can meet them where they are. Show us, show us the way and give us the courage to do it. We pray for our nation, for all those who are hurting, for all those who are struggling and wondering where their next meal will come from, all those who are cold and wet for they have no home and no shelter, for all those who have been cast out for fear that they might damage our reputations, for the divisions and the walls that we erect between us. Help us to see a better way. Help us to live a better way so that others may see that a better way is possible. We pray for our world. We pray for all those who are in harm's way, we lift up Ukraine, we lift up Israel and Palestine, we lift up every area that finds themselves in this situation. 
We long for that day when there will be peace. Not just the absence of war, but a true and lasting peace where diversity is celebrated. A world where all tongues and every, every person of every tribe of every nation can be brought together. We lose hope because that peace seems so far out. We lose joy for the work ahead of us is so daunting. And we wonder if anything is possible. But you promise us that through you, all things are possible. And so when our words fail us, when our strength fails us, when our hope fails us, when we have nothing else, we turn to you. But help us turn to you first before all of that happens. Help us to see your light shining in the darkness and help us to reflect your light for all to see. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, left the glories of heaven, to be born in a manger, stable, placed in a manger, to live as a servant, to willingly die for our sake, and whose life and birth we celebrate in this season and who's coming again we long for and look for expectantly and who taught us to pray as he taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.